You're listening to the Jerry and Jacoby podcast, Success Without Sacrifice, a podcast by two entrepreneurs at different stages of life, sharing real life experiences, managing a successful business and family life. It's honest talk about lessons learned, balancing family, faith, business, and personal growth on the journey of making our dreams a reality. Now, here are your hosts, Jerry and Jacoby. Hey, welcome to the Jerry and Jacoby podcast. I am Jerry here with my good friend and co-host Jacoby. And today we've got somebody that uh, is probably not going to be on your radar, but we've been talking to him for just about a year now and absolutely have grown to love this guy, Randy Boku out of Georgia. We are just super excited to spend some time getting to know you a little bit better today. Unlike some of our guests, either Jacoby or I are pretty connected. Uh, but historically, Kobe, I, and Randy are not that connected, so we're super excited to really dive in and, and get some things covered because uh, Jacoby and I have been looking at you, your family, your business, and from afar and are so impressed with how you carry yourself, how important your family is to you, and just how you treat the people around you. So we are excited. Uh, I am so appreciative. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. As always, we are. we want to start the – uh, with the question, what does success without sacrifice mean to you? And our audience knows what that means and that we we know that you're not going to have to, uh, that you're, we know that you're going to have to sacrifice to be successful. Yeah. But when yeah. we say success without sacrifice, you know, what comes to your mind? What do you think of? I, I think, thank you guys very much for uh, having me on here. It means a lot. I mean, you guys have become friends over the last year and, and I'm very grateful to, to have you guys in my life. Success without sacrifice basically is I have hard parameters that I'm not willing to cross. And that, that those hard parameters are family comes first. There's been a lot of times when you're building a business where they don't come first. I am blessed with eight kids. I've been in real estate for almost 25 years now. I don't miss functions. I don't miss practices. I don't miss ball games. I don't miss a lot of things because I make those hard decisions. Now, I will tell you early on, uh, the first year or two, you do. You miss a lot of stuff, and it's it's building a business, and it's getting going and getting launched, and and uh, you get obsessed. A lot of us get obsessed with what we do, and we lose focus on what we're doing, and we're not in the moment. We might be with our family and kids. We're not in the moment. Uh, my phone is always on silent. It, it's never not on silent. I haven't had my, my, my cell phone make a noise in 10 years now. It's, if it's important, they can call. I can call them back. That's the way I look at it. Very nice. And so, yeah, the parameters, that's a a great way to put it. I don't think we've had anybody quite put it that way, but it makes a ton of sense. Uh, The thing that you said that I didn't know was eight kids. Eight kids. So why don't we back up a little bit? Why don't you take a couple minutes and give us a little bit of your your background and kind of dive into that uh, side of that as well? It's funny because we're in coastal Georgia here, right, right outside of Savannah. And I always knew that I wanted to be in real estate. And I tell you what's funny. I have some friends here that I went to high school with, and they remind me of stories that I told uh, that I would tell them in high school about, I can't wait to get into real estate. It was going to be what I'm going to thrive at. So they, I even knew it back then, and I forgot that I mentioned it and talked about it. Now, I tried to get into real estate when I was 18 years old, and I got talked out of it by an older mentor that says, listen, kid, you drive around a crappy car. You're poor. You live in a trailer in Midway. You're 18 years old. You're not educated. 
no one's going to listen to you. And, it, and, and I will tell you back then, that was 1988 when I tried to get into real estate. Uh, he was 100 percent true. He was it was it was a, an old era, era then where the brokers basically controlled everything. There was no uh, MLS. There was uh, they had an MLS, but it was the book system. There was no Internet. Uh, so he said, come back and see me in 10 years. So from 18 to 28, I was kind of just like a, a wanderer out there. And I had my fourth child, Harrison. You guys know Harrison. He's going to be on one of your podcasts down the road. He's a sharp kid. He's 23 years old. He'll be 24 soon. Uh, when he was a week old, I got into real estate because I had to hurry. We we're in a, a mobile home, 800 square feet. There were six of us in the house. Harrison has three older sisters. And uh, I said, if I don't start making this happen now at 28, it's never going to happen. And, and 24 years later, we have, a, you know, four more kids. I have eight total. And uh, from 30 years old to, uh, to 10 years old, and that's my age range. And I'm 52 years old. I turned 53 in July. And uh, I love every bit of the real estate business. It's been really good for us. It's changed our lives for the positive. It's, been allow it's allowed me to change the lives of everyone around me. And so that's kind of our little, my story in a nutshell right there. Yeah. I really like that. You're muted, Jerry. I really like that. What you said, uh, normally when I talk to folks and they say they want to get into real estate, it's like when I got into real estate, I was not thinking about being a realtor. So were you wanting to just get into real estate or did you always want to be a real estate agent? And then, like I said, that's like, that's pretty unique, at least from the people I talk to, because nobody I talk to aspires to be a real estate agent. It's like, man, I was going to be this or I was going to be that. And then I just got my license because I like didn't have a job. And then, you know. Yeah, no, I, I wanted to be a real estate agent. It's funny because I dated a girl in high school who whose mother was a top agent uh, in a small town close by. And it's just funny because I remember her always getting on to me. She goes, quit, quit talking to my mom. You know, you, you come over here to see me. You don't come over here to, to quiz my mom about real estate. So I quizzed her the whole time and I'm 17, 16, 17 about how could I pull this off and do it. I think one of the things I realize now kind of knowing myself a little bit is I love to put things together in the sense of seeing a project put together. I love the, of seeing something where it is and watching it grow into something bigger. That's why EXP, we're all at EXP here. That's why it's such a joy and a blessing in our life to see where we are and what we could be. And that really motivates me to, to do that. And yes, I wanted to be a real estate agent even when I was in high school. I, that's That's my driving force. I remember... Um, reading the book, uh, The Art of the Deal, uh, Donald Trump, when he was legitimate back in the day, he was a, a business guy. He wasn't the, this caricature of, a, of himself. He was a businessman and he had to wrote a book about New York real estate. I read it in high school and I just absolutely fell in love with it. And he happened to come to Savannah with his, uh, his yacht one time and parked it at the River Street downtown to see uh, Merritt Dixon, the owner of the Hyatt Regency in Savannah. And I remember going by there to see the Trump princess, his yacht, and just thinking, real estate is my way of having freedom. Real estate is my way of leveraging and being able to provide a better life for the people in my life. Very nice. Now, I wanted, what I was going to say when I was muted was, finally, somebody in my age bracket. <laughs> I've been interviewing all these young guys. And, I know. We're the old guys. It's a crazy I graduated in 87 then. Uh, 88. I Listen, I tell this story all the time, and it's kind of a running joke in this office. My name is on the door, and I took 11th grade twice. 
So, uh, <laughs> so class of 88, but it should have been 87 for, for various reasons there. And so I always joke about, uh, I liked high school so much, I took the 11th grade two times. So There we go. So, yep, 88 is great. I was there, uh, that's the year I graduated as well. So I like that. I like that a lot. You know, I don't know the full backstory on that. You know, you, you, you got held back or you took the 11th grade twice. But the thing I really like is like, I look at your life right now. And so that's one reason why I wanted to have you on the podcast is like, I aspire to what you, what you're, what you've kind of got there. Like, I like what you said in the beginning, like, I don't miss games. I'm, you know, at all my kids events and, and that whole thing. Tell us a little bit about that journey for you. you said it didn't, it wasn't really like that in the beginning. Tell us kind of how you got to where you're at now, yeah. like mindset wise and, and everything. Have you always had good mindset? You know, what's the building phase to where you are now? I, I tell you, the one thing I have and I read somewhere where the, the happiest people in the world have the same trait and I have it is the trait of always trying to improve. That's the trait I have. I always am trying to improve my life, my business, my relationships, my kids, this podcast, pictures that I took over for our business. I, I'm a systems guy. So I knew that if I put systems in place, that things would work for me. And then I, I realized what happens is if I perfect those systems, we're blessed to be in a profession where everyone, a lot of people around us are average at best, and they kind of mail it in a little bit. And if I just stand out as being the best out there, the business will come. We, we closed 501 transactions in 2021. Me and my team sold 501 homes. It's, it was a goal to reach 500. We beat it by one home and we did that. But you can't do that without systems. You can't do that without discipline. You can't do that without caring. Uh, you can't do that without putting people first. We have 650 Zillow reviews. We have... 600 Google reviews. We try our best to try to really give back to the community and be, our motto is family, community, real estate in that order. And we really try to be a big part of our community. We're not just trying to sell homes. We're trying to make everything in our systems and our community better. That is nice. I actually just saw one of your uh, Facebook posts. So you guys sponsored the local wrestling team or meet or something. And uh, is that part we, of like we, the community strategy there? Yeah, we we end up, it's about $200,000 a year that we give back to the community. It's a little much. I'm not going to tell you that it's not. The, the accountant tells me that we probably could have the same effect at 100000 But it's one of those situations where I know it makes a difference. And, and we have a, a structured number of people we give to. And there's always that, the wrestling team was a good example. I got a call the day before a big wrestling tournament here and in the South wrestling just really has been popular here for the last 10 years, maybe 15 years or so. We didn't have it in my high school when I was there. And Jerry, you probably did because it's pretty big up North and Jacoby. I'm not sure if it was in your area. It wasn't big here. It wasn't big at all. So we started the new wrestling program in the last 15 years. So they, they called me the day before and said, Hey, we got a big tournament here. We would like to do a hospitality room. And I go, how much? <laughs> it was $700. We wrote a check and they, they were able to do that. And it was, it made a difference. Now I will tell you, one of the things you got, I have to be careful about is I don't want people to think I'm trying to buy likes and love and all that stuff. So we do probably three quarters of the stuff that we do when we give back to our community, we do it anonymously or we don't let people put it out there or they ask us, Hey, do you want us to post this? And no, 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 let's just, 
let's just do, keep this between us. And we were glad and grateful to be able to help. So I will tell you, I have people around me now that kind of keep us in, keep me in check a little bit because I don't say no to anyone. I help <laughs> anyone. I say, I, I try to save and help and rescue everyone, but I have people around me now that kind of makes people go through the, the, the steps. Uh, the perfect example is the, the local high school cheerleading team. Uh, at one time, I sponsored seven of the 12 members. I sponsored seven of them. So uh, we, I should have probably let other people be a part of that. But your past clients and people you know have kids and you just want to you don't want to isolate those those people. Yeah. How big of a awesome. town are you in? Well, we have this is another thing, too. It's pretty awesome. The town that I sell a primary uh, primarily is a town of 18,000 people. And I, I guess I, I was told by some people, there's some communities in, in big cities that have 18,000 people. We have 18,000 people here. We do go into Savannah some, we do go around in the surrounding areas, but of our 501 homes sold, I would bet 350 of them are sold in this 18,000 uh, population town here, Richmond Hill, Georgia. Wow. It's like market share. <laughs> well, it's, it's, I always tell people you want to own, you want to own, for, I always tell new age, I say, listen, you want to own the street, then the neighborhood, uh, then the community, then the, the, then the, you know, then the city, you can, you know, take baby steps and trying to own those things first. For sure. So let's go back to uh, when you got into real estate, like where, uh, what did they use? So you got into real estate at 28. Did you kind of take the uh, traditional route and go find a broker and just yeah, so um, I, I, I went into real estate with a small mom and pop in, in May of 98. And I, um, it was, it was so, I look back on it. We, we had to take pictures with a camera, go take it to CBS and get them developed, take the photo, put it on the flyer and make colored prints of that flyer. That's how dated I am. So instead of digitally putting pictures on a flyer, we had to do the old school method. But I always was a little bit of a grinder. We, I wasn't used to making money. So the, I only made, I made $20,000 from May of 98 to December of 98. I made $20,000. And I thought that was all the money in the world. And then I made $100,000 in all of in 99. And that right there, you would have thought I was a Kardashian walking around. That was so much money for me. So I've always had a really good income and I really, and the other thing too is when I stop chasing income and start chasing transactions and people and how many people can I help, my income went to over a million dollars a year. So when I, when I stopped focusing on money, 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 and I concentrated, okay, how many people can I help? How many people can I change their life, make their life better? We have, we call our, our past clients alumni. We stay in contact with them after the sale, uh, 30, 60, 90 days. They get a gift, a gift card, a handwritten note. They get a gift in their one-year anniversary. They're, they're set up in a drip program. But I, I said, if I can keep people happy for the longer period of time, my income will grow. And then all of a sudden it went well over a million dollars by just changing that mindset a little bit because it was the hardest thing to do to make money while I was concentrating on it. You got to quit concentrating on the money and the money will come. I think I heard that from Oprah, believe it or not, as silly as that might sound. I heard Oprah say, you know, don't, don't chase the money part of it, chase the passion part of it. And we did, we chased the passion and the money showed up. I would say that's the first time Oprah's been quoted on success. Without <laughs> 
Nah, that she, is the she first. She is pretty smart. Sure. I'm not gonna lie to you. She's very smart. I'm not gonna lie. I, she's got my vote for she president. Helped, she ever runs. She helps a lot of people too. So it's oh, pretty cool. Man. Yeah. So I got a question. I got a question on that real quick, man. When did you go to that transit transition and like where did that like where did that come from? Can you think back to that time period? Like, oh, you know, was something going on, something happening, or like how did you how did you make that shift? Because that's a pretty big perspective shift. I I, I I noticed I was hovering around. I, I kept trying to, to cross over uh, the $500,000 GCI mark. And I remember getting close and, and crossing over, but everything seemed to, seemed to stay the same. And I, and I said to myself, I said, I'm concentrating on something that I shouldn't concentrate on. I should just trust the process that my systems will work follow it to the T, follow our goals, follow our business plan for the year. We write it, we do a, a, a business plan. This is kind of funny. This is my business plan for 2022. It's in a binder. You can see we, we have it written out and, and uh, it's a pretty substantial business plan that I read almost every day. And it crossed over about 10 years ago, the, the change happened. It was probably halfway through my 20 something year career, a little bit more than half. I said, I'm going to stop thinking about money. And then all of a sudden the money started pouring in and started, I, and I got to help a lot more people. I got to help a lot more people. So I noticed that the more people I help, the more money I make, which is, you know, it's my way of tithing in another way, if that makes sense. Yeah, I really like that. And then what do they say? The definition of insanity is like doing the same thing over yeah. and over again, expecting a different result. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's what that makes me think of whenever you say that. Yeah. All right. I got a, I got another question for you. That's probably going to take us in a different direction. So you guys say you guys are the older guys. I'm like, start looking at my age and then I'm starting to think like, when do I officially get put in this older guy category? So 37 going on, whatever. Yeah, you're, you're getting there. Yeah, you're getting there. Back. Yeah. So I'm, I'm like, keep wondering when that, when that's going to happen. But my question, the thing I, the other thing I like, am inspired by you and Jerry too, is like, as I look, I'm always looking for older guys, right? So like older guys that I can get wisdom from, that I can get inspiration from. And, you know, it's like a lot of times I look up and it seems like older guys start to check out, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, yeah. they get there and then they're like, oh, you know, I'm good or whatever else. What keeps you going because that's what I kind of see. It's like, man, you're like, yeah. you are, you call yourself an older guy, but like, you're still like, I get better. Like the thing is, I want to get better. Right. What, yeah. what is that for you? Where does that come from? Jacoby, I have learned that in this business, you have to reinvent yourself every three years or so. You have to reinvent yourself. And I've done that for the most part. I didn't know that I was doing that early. I did it because I was trying to find a better way of selling homes and having a better business. But what I was doing is I was reinventing myself. A lot of agents my age, and in, in lots of markets, there's, there's people that I look up to when I first got into business, and they basically kind of aged out of the business. And the reason why they aged out of the business is because they don't allow themselves to see that there's a better way. EXP was one of those things. I go, it's a better way. Uh, technology, it's a better way. See, I might not know how to do all the technology, but I fully embrace all of the technology because what I want to do is I have to embrace the change 
that I'm not letting the market pass me up and I'm not the old curmudgeon in real estate that's that the market passes and you guys you guys know I'm talking about the, the older agents in your market that barely know how to use the MLS and they don't have a, their lockbox key doesn't work sometimes and and they just don't grow with the times so and what I do is every three years or so I reinvent myself. I reinvent myself by adding a new system, adding a new uh, team member, adding a new layer, adding a new market that we're trying to tap into. And it, it just keeps us going. It keeps me young that I think like a young person, even though I'm not young, I surround myself around young people. Harrison's 23 years old and I don't make a decision. I've got 20, almost 25 years in the business. He's been licensed for four years. He's my older son that, that he's in the business with us. I don't make a decision that I don't check with him first to make sure it's a good idea. A lot of people my age wouldn't do that because, I mean, he's a young guy and what can he add to the equation? Well, he adds a different perspective to the equation. He tells me, Dad, that's old school. Uh, I, I remember one time I came up with this system. I spent all day and I'm going to do this and this and this. And I got it all written. Uh, I spent all day planning it out. And I called Harrison. I said, Harrison, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this and this and this. I'm going to get a binder. I'm going to do this. And within two minutes, Harrison goes, why don't you just do this? And I go, well, I mean, you know, let me, let me explain it to you again. I'm going to do this. So I'm going to print this. I'm going to get a binder. And I'm going to do this. He goes, Dad, why don't you just do this? And I hung up and I was a little defeated, but I go, he's 100% right. Why am I trying to work on binders? Just, just do it this way. Trello is a good example. We, our company, we don't do anything without Trello now. We have boards for everything. Our uh, people, one-stop shop. Uh, they go to the Trello board to see what's going on. They go to the Trello board to see what the listings are. Uh, my buyer's agents go to Trello to see the upcoming listings that are about to hit the market. And we wouldn't have had Trello if it wasn't for young people saying, hey, you need this system. This system is good for you. That's awesome. Here is you just open, like you're open-minded to, uh, you know, and you're not putting a, not putting a label on Harrison. I'm sure that probably crosses over to other people, other things yeah. and, and just being open to that. Has that always been, uh, have you always been open I've, like that? I've always been respectful of people, races, women, uh, you know, nationalities. I've always been respectful of that because we're in the deep South here and I grew up where there's a lot of racism. There's a lot of, you know, they give you an inside joke that it's kind of off, off, you know, color or a racist joke that your friends assume you would like. And, and I remember thinking, I'm not going to be that person. And I'm not going to let my kids be that person. It's funny because I, I never let my kids tell me if their friends were uh, white or black, they would have to just tell me about their friends. So sometimes if we were in public and they wanted to point the friend out, they would say, dad, he's, he's the guy, he's not our color. He's that guy right there. So it was so funny that we wouldn't allow it. I remember thinking to my wife, I said, we've done a great job. Of, of just being open-minded. I, I get tips from young people all the time and my kids teach me things all the time. And Harrison's a big part of the decision-making. I'm not uh, the tyrant. I, I, I lead by example. And I also, it's funny because I have a nice office here, but when we have a power meeting here. I, I let Harrison sit in this chair and I go sit in the secondary chair because I want to be that person listening to what's going on and, and absorbing yeah, you say that. So the, the word that comes to me is humility, right? So you're, you're humble. You're, 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 you got a humbleness to you. And so that's not normal. Like where, like, have you, is that just you? So is that just like a part of the way God made you or did you <laughs> learn that? Because that is not 
that is not a normal uh, trait for people. I, I want to piggyback on that before he answers because the, you know we're saying like he had some clarity on wanting to get into real estate when he was really young, even to the point where as a teenager he's talking to an adult about real estate when he could have been hanging out with his girlfriend. Yeah, uh, he listened. You know. Uh, you know, right or wrong, or however you want to look at it, you know, looking back, it's the right path, but you listen to somebody when you're 18 that you weren't ready. And so you went and kind of did some other stuff, you know, so kind of, you start compounding that all together, that all those traits are kind of adding up. And so I want to hear you answer that question that he, that Jacoby asked there. I, I tell you what's funny, Harrison, and I've had other people in my life tell me lots of times, boy, you've been knocked down a lot. And I, and I, and I go, I guess I have. I heard something that was awesome and said, uh, I failed uh, enough times to know what to, what I wanted to do. But humbleness comes from, I'm self-deprecating. You hear me all the time talking about God's giving me a haircut uh, at the, on the top and thank goodness he's taking his time. Uh, I make the staff laugh by saying, joking like, uh, yeah, I know I'm fat. What's, what does it have to do with what we're doing today? And it, it just breaks the ice a little bit. I'm self-deprecating in that, in that regard, only because I don't I don't really like ego-driven people. Uh, I'm really secure in who I am and what I am. Uh, I have eight kids that love me and care about me, and I, I have a staff that I care about. I care about my buyer's agents on a really high level. I don't treat them like cattle. I make sure I pay them better than anyone else. I give them more leads. I pay for more leads. I, uh, I just got off the a coaching call with them right before I jumped on this podcast with them. And I just spilled my guts on, Hey, this, this will work. Try this. And uh, this will work when inventory's low. I remember doing this and it worked really well. And you guys should go try that. And they were excited about it. So like, we're going to go do that. And uh, so I love giving back. I love the humble part is just being secure and not worrying about it. now. I always want to improve. I always want to get better. Uh, I I've learned not to hold grudges. I've learned not to get mad because I'm pretty passionate. Somebody told me I was born in July, but that's how we are. July people are like that. I, I try not to hold grudges, and it's hard when people step on you. I don't like people who take people for granted. That really bothers me. Um, so that's one of the things I, I don't like is someone who takes other people for granted. Uh, we have virtual assistants in the Philippines, and it's so funny because in the, when you have virtual assistants, their pay is pretty low. It's $10.70 an hour. Well, I'm all the time, the, the, my wife who does the books and my director of operations, they get mad at me. And I, I go, hey, send them all $500. I said, well, we just sent them $500 two weeks ago, plus they got paid. I go, yeah, send them $500 more because I got a vibe on them and they need help. And, and they're allowed in our system that we use, they get to keep all the money. But we, we don't, I don't want to take advantage of them. And I have Zoom calls with them all the time to say, listen to me, you're important to me. You're not just the hired help in the Philippines. You're a part of what we're doing here, and we, we we value and appreciate you. And I have dynamic virtual assistants, and I think that's a part of it because we treat them as a part of the family, not just uh, someone leveraged on the other side of the world. So I'm gonna I'm you you answered the question a little bit. I'm gonna dig in a little bit more. So is that is that is that how God made you, or is that like? Is there some, cause you did say, you know, I've been knocked down a few times or whatever. So I get like, that's your personality. You know what yeah. I mean? So did you learn that through the ways or do you think that's just, you know, your personality? I think it's who I am. I think it's, it's funny because uh, we, we, my director of operation and I had, we had a conversation yesterday about another agent in our market that it just started having some success and they kind of turned into a little bit of a tyrant uh, now that they've had success. And I told her, I said, Hey, 
money will just reveal who you are. It won't, it doesn't, you know, you know, he was like that before he was, he didn't just turn into, you know, a, a, a YouTube star overnight. This guy's, this is how it was. So I think I've always been that way and humbled and, and helping people. And I always had a soft spot in my heart and, and giving away more than I should. I think one of the things that's important now is now I, I, I'm a business person. And I wasn't a business person before. I was a little reckless in what I did and what I gave away and I gave too much. And I probably was trying to buy acceptance because I was a poor guy living in a trailer in a small Georgia town. You know, I, di I didn't go to college. I didn't really have a formal education. So I was, I'm sure that it was a part of that. I was trying to get accepted. But now that um, I'm the old guy in the room or whatever it is, it, it's pretty natural. That's cool. I love it. Yeah. So you're, again, you're sort of answering the question Jacoby's throwing at you. Um, I think what we're looking for is, you know, you've got a couple looks like time frames in your life where you transition pretty significantly. And so like where, when you're going through a transition or you're thinking like you're being yourself aware of something that needs to change, kind of like what's the process you follow or maybe the mentor you followed in a specific scenario where like, you know, I want to go from here to there and I know, I can't do it on my own. So what's the process that you're following to make those, you know, transitions. And yeah. a lot of times it's easy to see those. in when we go through big transitions in life, because that there's a pattern yeah. there. I, I have constructive paranoia. I have paranoia about, uh Oh, I've waited too long. Uh Oh, it's passed me up. I remember we're really big on social media and Facebook right now. We have thousands, we have 6,000 followers and, when we post something, we have thousands of people that like it and give it away and share it. And it's a big social influence. But I remember seven years ago coming home to my wife saying, hey, we're in trouble. There's this thing out there called Facebook and I'm old and we're not a part of it. And the other agents are. And she goes, what do we need to do? I said, we're going to learn it. And not only did we learn it, we, we've kind of taken it over and it's, it's a big platform for what we do. What happens with me is when I have a problem and I, I have... I'm going to show you real quick here. I have that. It's, that whole wall is a dry erase board. And what I do on that is I constantly try to write out my big rocks and problems and things that will make my life better. And I make a list of things that will make my life better. And once I have that list done, then I slowly start going through those things and get them done. Now, this is important. I come to work every day. Mm. I don't have to come to work anymore. I... The, the magical seventh level that the old company Keller Williams I was at, they talk about the seventh level so you can step out of your business. I've been able to step out of my business for the last three to five years. I don't have to come to work anymore. Um, my director of operations went on 219 listing appointments last year. She got 202 of the 219. So I don't go into listing appointments anymore. All my buyer's agents sell home. So what I was going to say is I still come to work every day. I set the example of this is what I do. Now I take my kids to school. I get them up in the morning. I make them breakfast. My wife gets up with us. We, we still have a, an active lifestyle uh, in that regard of, of being a part of our kids' life. But I come to work every day. And I set the example of if I come to work every day, you should too. You know, I don't mean you got to work 12-hour days and all that stuff, but you should come to work to be accountable to yourself and what you're trying to get done. I think that's huge. And I don't want, uh, I don't want to miss it in that you said that you're, you're self-aware of like the, the things in your life that if I make a change to that, I'm going to get better. And that uh, like writing them out and having them there. 
Yeah, um, I, 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 I'm pretty good at looking at something going, we're not very good at this. We need to get better at that. And uh, we need to find out how to do that. And we have a meeting. We put our minds together. The other thing that has helped me in the last 10 years, and Jacoby, you'll get there. It's hard because you're at that age where you, you kind of want to have control. When 10 years ago, when I stopped wanting control, I just wanted to make sure it was done. It wasn't done the way I would do it sometimes, a lot of times, but it's done. It's right. And you can move on. And what happens is it teaches the people around you to be better and you're relying on their expertise to get it done. Instead of being the control freak that we all are in our in our profession, in our lives. And the reason why we are where we are is because we're micromanagers or control freaks that I'll do that. No, I'll do that. No, no, don't do that. I'll do that. You know, and when I was able 10 years ago, just to let it go and let someone else do it, it turned out really well. I have, if you can see in the back right there, that's a, my five-year calendar. I got uh, five years, uh, a calendar there that I am going to be completely out of this business in five years. Uh, and you can't see it really well now, but it, on that calendar, the top line is uh, my FLAs that my I have on there for each month. And the number underneath the month is how many people in the organization. So we, we put it up each and every month to see where we're growing. We finished our first year at EXP, moving on to year two. Uh, but it's keeping those numbers in my face all the time. I make also my buyer's agent, my director of operations. We have a property management company. They give me what they call key performance indicators on Monday. I review those numbers. Now, I'm not a smart like Lars. I'm not an accountant. And I don't have an MBA from Duke. So it's a little bit harder for me to dissect, but I try to look at trend lines. Here's what's working. Here's what's not working. Here's what we're spending on uh, Boomtown. Here's what we're spending on Sync. Are we, are we getting enough return on that? Are my buyer's agents converting enough? What can I do? The other thing I did recently in the last few months is I took my entire group of buyer's agents and I read it. I read two business books a month. I've done it for the last 25 years. I read two business books a month. I don't read fiction. Uh, all of my books are, uh, I'm reading a book right now called Billion Dollar Lessons about business. It's really good about companies that have failed and, and the lessons they've learned. I mean, I'm halfway through that book now. I realized reading one book about SEAL Team 6 from uh, Jocko Willing, what happens is I had this group of buyer's agents and you have a segment of them that is still team six and you have a segment of them that are still team two. And still team six is the elite warriors out there making the money, wanting to go do it, hustlers, they, they don't make excuses. So I took the group and I divided up into two teams. I have a green team, which is my producers that average two or more sales per month. And I have a blue team that averages one per month. And the goal for the for the blue team is to graduate to the green team. The green team splits are a little bit more, and the blue team uh, they and the blue the green team has their own platform with Boomtown. The blue team has their own platform with Sync, so that we don't co-mingle the leads, and uh, and we and we treat them separate. They're they're part of the same group, but I got to let the runners run. I can't hold those green team back. They got to go out there, and 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 Harrison's a part of it. We have. Six agents that make well over one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year with on that team, on that green team. So they all do well. That's good. Two books a month, huh? How long have you done that? About for about twenty years. I listen to them. Uh, one of the things I want to tell you is I listen to them. I don't read them. 
I, I, I don't have the patience to read them. And especially if I would read it, it would, it would typically be at home and there's no way my kids will let me do that. So I listen to, to business books two a month and I love it. I mean, Good to Great is one of my favorite books. Great by Choice, How the Mighty Fall by Jim Collins. Those are dynamic books. Profit First, Michael McCallowitz is a, that book changed my life. Uh, we started implementing Profit First about a year ago, and it's been noticeably different in our company since we started that. Uh, that business book has made a difference in our life right away. Yeah, you don't uh, you didn't go to college or anything, but nope. you you've got an education for sure. So it's like <laughs> Harrison said to me, he said, Dad, I, I want to officially give you an MBA in business because you you've listened to so many books. I said, Thank you, son. We'll have, sure. we'll have our own ceremony. <laughs> for sure, one hundred percent. So I kind of want to transition a little bit. Uh, we're talking a little bit about business, right? You got eight kids. I've got four kids, and. Uh, you know, they're all below the age of eight or they're eight and below. And like, they are like, they want my attention every single day. Right. So it's awesome. But uh, tell us a little bit about that. How do you balance that whole thing? Did you always plan to have eight kids? Like what's the, I, uh, I, I had, um, it's funny because this is an easy way I can remember. I had a a child in 92, 94, 96, 98. (laughs) I I could go through the list, but the first four were in uh, even numbers. And I'll tell you that at one time, I had uh, six kids in private schools and two kids in diapers. So it's it's so funny that they you have to learn how to compartmentalize your time and you spend the time with them. And when they go to bed, it's magical for you. I hate to say it when they do go to sleep. And we were not strict real strict on the bedtime. Like some parents, I remember I had an eight 30 bedtime every, every night and I had to be in bed by eight 30. Well, we let our kids stay up a little bit later, nine, nine 30, sometimes 10 o'clock. But when they did go to sleep, then I kicked in the gear. I would not work on real estate. I would work on maybe what was planned for the next day and kind of get my notes, my thoughts together on there. And then gets, I get up early, like five, four 30 or five o'clock every morning. Now I get stuff done in the morning times before I go in there, wake them up for school. I, I, we always spend weekend times with the kids. I usually try not to work on the weekends. Uh, rarely do I work on the weekends. And what happens sometimes, this is awesome. If I did not have kids, I would sleep in my office and work 80 hours a week and make $10 million a year. But I have kids and I have people who love me and care about me. I just get obsessed with things. That's why I don't invite bad things into my life, you know, things that will control me because I'm obsessive in nature. So work would own me if I let it own me. So we'll we'll spend family time Saturday and Sunday and Friday nights. And then sometimes Sunday afternoons, the wife wants me out of the house because I've been around the whole weekend. She goes, go to the office for a few hours. You'll feel better. So I said, okay, great. I'll come to the office (laughs) here and I'll get some stuff done in the office for a few hours. I try not to work from home. I don't really have a home office. She does. She works from home uh, as she owns half the company. She does the bookkeeping and our property management side. We have 250 homes on the property management side that we manage. Uh, so she, she handles that side of it, but I try not to work from home if I can help it. Yeah, I just moved my office, uh, out of the house for eight. I was there for eight years. Um, but my kids are, my youngest is 15. Uh, my oldest is 26, but, uh, it's made a significant difference for me in moving it out of the office. Yeah. 
Randy, as we wrap it up, what uh, maybe did we not ask you or is there anything you want to put out there that, uh, you know, maybe we, we didn't chat about or anything? Well, I'll, I'll tell you that since joining EXP a year ago, real estate is now fun again for me. It wasn't not fun, but it was now I have a new purpose of trying to go out there and uh, build a new company with EXP. And it's been a, a beautiful thing. I get to do it with my son. I get to do it with people in this company. So that's kind of given me a newfound energy, the EXP model and see where we can go with it. It's not easy. I will tell you it's not. But we're kind of uh, working on perfecting a few things. I'm trying to make it a little bit better and leveraging a little bit. So I think the EXP uh, edition a year ago, I was 100% no when Lars uh, called me about it. And uh, within 30 minutes, we, we said, hey, we're doing it. We're coming on board. And I was an independent. There was nothing broken. We sold over 250 homes, no incredible income, nothing was broken. Everyone was happy. And so for us to jump on board, uh, it took a little bit of convincing in, this, in that regard, but uh, I am so grateful. Now I'm basically getting paid to work at EXP now. So we're very grateful that EXP is coming into our life and we can't wait to see where that goes. It's awesome. I'll say this is the first interview I've done where I'm sitting here thinking, man, we need to, uh, we need to take a road trip and spend a couple of days down there hanging out with these guys. Man, come that's on. A, we have a beautiful that's on my, Yeah, that's already on my list. <laughs> you need to come, come, come spend the time with us. We have a, we, we've developed a thing called the Traveling Roadshow in the last few months, which is a new, new idea of how to recruit. It's terrific. Uh, we go to small cities that are not used to hearing about EXP because your market gets saturated normally. Jacoby, I know your market's saturated. People know about it in your market, uh, pretty sure. And, and my market kind of gets saturated a little bit. So we go to some of these small areas and have one-on-one -on -one coffee meetings with people. And it works remarkably well, just as one-on-one -on -one conversations with people instead of trying to do it in a group setting. Lunch and learns work, I think, for local your local uh, market. Uh, but I think the Traveling Roadshow with coffee one-on-ones has, has been a game changer for us. Absolutely. So also uh, just let everybody know here where they, if somebody wants to get in contact with you after the show, where can they find you and how can they get in contact with you? Man, I tell you what, go to uh, Bo Cook, uh, Randy Bocook on Facebook, uh, Randy Bocook, B-O-C-O-O-K on Facebook. Send me a message. Uh, I'll respond to you. Well, you know, Jim Brantley from uh, Charleston, he uh, he's two hours away. He came down to spend a day with us not too long ago. We had a good time. Bill Price, uh, he's not even in our organization. The EXP came down and spent a day with us and uh, we'll share with, with, with you guys what we do and how we do it and uh, the bumps and bruises of, of growth and learning and, and uh, learn from our mistakes. So we, we want you to stand on our shoulders and we're, we're hoping to sell 700 homes this year. We're going to try. Selling homes is, a, is our focus. Everything else is a part of it, but selling homes is our focus. And uh, we're, we're going to try to systemize everything we do to get there. Awesome. Well, we appreciate it. I know the listeners are going to love this interview as well. So thank you so much for coming on. Man, I am very grateful for both you guys. And, and uh, if there's anything I can do for you, let me know. And, and thank you for including me on this. It's, it's been a lot to me to be able to share. And uh, Harrison is going to be excited when he gets to jump on here. Yeah, I can't wait to get with them too. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Jerry and Jacoby podcast. If you walked away with something of value, we hope you'll share it with a friend. 
And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, so you get notification of all new episodes.